0: We are going back to the mount, mm. back to the mountain, back to Mount Rushmore on today's episode of Out of the Main. I am your co-host, Tom. Welcome to our Yacht Rock podcast, and I'm here joined, as always, by first, first mate. mate. Yes. Okay,
1: first mate, John. Thank you, thank you. I don't want a promotion too early. Yes. Got a lot of work to do before I get that.
0: Yes, you should. Yes, you do. <laughs> um this time maybe the last time, who knows, maybe we'll do it again, but right. we're going to we're going to slice the Mount Rushmore via albums and we'll come back to that in a minute and explain cuz we're going to do it three different ways. Well, before we do that, I had
1: a little uh, a little uh, house cleaning. Is this a flag or delay of game? No, this is houseboat cleaning. Oh, houseboat you know, boat cleaning. Swabbing the deck. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Scraping the barnacles if you will, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, a couple things uh, some conversations have been going on in the Yacht Rock group that I found kind of interesting. And I sort of wanted to get your response to some of this. So um, I actually posted, if you recall, on our page and then shared it around, the question of can you actually define Yacht Rock and not just by giving examples, I said. So I got some interesting responses. Mm. I had one that said romantic, mellow, light rock, Christopher Cross, Michael McDonald, Kenny Loggins, Steely Dan, etc. Wait, so they're giving examples. Right. Okay. They broke the rules. <laughs> You're Right. Um, this one was kind of fun. I keep forgetting how to define yacht rock. Putting on a Stephen Bishop record is a good start. Images that come to mind are California and a smooth blue ocean. It goes on and on. But starts with examples. But still examples, right. Um, here's one that was smooth, well-composed rock music. Makes you feel like you are the man wearing the mask of false bravado while chilling on an 80-foot yacht in deep waters with your favorite beverage. Here's a fine example. Glamour Profession was posted. So he still couldn't resist. <laughs> here's an example. example.
0: <laughs> Can I just give points, though, for incorporating yeah. Yacht Rock lyrics into his response
1: and not just song titles? Yeah. yeah. False bravado. Yeah. Well yes. done. Yes. Here's one that um, doesn't answer the question at all, but I like it. It's simply a vibe. If you know, you know. that. To me, that's becoming more and that's more closer. true. Um, here's one. A listener that uh, comments a lot on our stuff, Derek, he went to rate your music and said that they basically define yacht rock as generally synonymous with west coast a o r generally, but not quite exactly, not quite there's a lot of stuff that's in west coast a o r that would not be considered yacht, yeah, right? okay. we might have to create a Venn diagram, but he he i know he said then that maybe a better way to define it is a subset of West Coast that has fewer jazz influences and more of a straightforward r and b bounce hmm to which I replied. That I thought that was the closest. I said, I like that. Except I would say it's a subset of West Coast AOR rock that features strong jazz and R&B influences. That's where I, I wouldn't remove emerge. the jazz, but rather say it gets pushed more to the front along with R&B. Mm-hmm. Thoughts?
0: Um, that's more and more where I am coming to in terms of what I'm, my understanding my own personal understanding of what I consider to be yacht rock, right? That describes it pretty much. Although I gotta say, I'm the first one to break the rules and say a Cliff Richard song that has right. none of
1: that is yacht rock. So I know. Um, prior to me posting that, maybe by a few days, so maybe I stole the idea. Uh, John O'Grady, our friend from Milwaukee, yacht rock hot shots. He asked the question in the group. He said, "In one sentence, how mm. can you do it?" So I want to run my one sentence by you. Yeah, okay. And it's not a run-on sentence. Does it have examples? <laughs> no examples. <laughs> a blend of jazz, rock, and R&B influenced music performed by the most technically gifted musicians primarily from the US West Coast in the late 70s to early 80s. Wow, what am I missing? That's pretty thorough. Examples. Yeah. Oh yeah. Th- that's what you're missing, but that's
0: you would, uh, But that, I didn't go on and on. That's pretty <laughs> 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 Pun. Um, yes, that that's pretty good, actually. I think I would put my stamp of approval on that. Okay. The only thing it doesn't mention is, in my mind, I think it's specific musicians, at least if you're being technically right, and, but you can't list all the specific musicians, right? right? But right. yeah,
1: I think that pretty much nails it. But I'm not a believer that it has to have those musicians no. to be uh, on there, and maybe we'll get to some of that as we explore the Mount Rushmore. Well, let's see if any of this comes up in our Mount Rushmore episode of Mount Rushmore of albums. And by Mount Rushmore, I want to be clear that it means four things. <laughs> right. We can't it, it, we we love when the people comment and give us your list, but give us your four. If you tell us you had to cut some people, you know we want to put them on the parenthetical behind, but the goal that what makes it hard, what makes it interesting is it has to be four. Yes. No lists of seven, eight, ten albums. You're big on your rules today. I know. Yeah. You need some more smooth in your life. Okay.
0: Well, I'm going to make some rules, though. Okay. So we'll do this. Our idea was to do this three ways. Because when you pose the topic, what is the Mount Rushmore of albums, I think a natural question is, well, what do you mean? Is it the most significant albums of the era and of all time maybe to which, which I, I said
1: yes yep is it the oddest? to which I said yes yep
0: or is it just my favorite
1: right to which I said yes so let's do them all right okay yes because they're not necessarily the same uh no in I fact s- when I did mine without any intention I ended up with each set of four is four different so I have 12 total okay nothing overlapped and that wasn't trying to be cool or you know contrarian mm. it just worked out that way
0: well I was I was trying to be cool And Mm -hmm. I failed, as usual, because I have probably 10. I think there's a couple that that cross over. But where should we start? Significant, Yachtiest,
1: or Favorite? Well, I think Significant is a good place as any to start, and that way uh, we can kind of hit what maybe are going to be some more of the more obvious ones. Sounds good. um, All right. Why don't you list your four first and give me your thoughts on why those make your top four. Okay. And then we'll go from there. I will do that. So the first one that came to mind was the very first album that we focused on
0: as a as a podcast, which was Asia from Steely Dan. I think when you're talking about significance, just in rock lordom, it's significant. Specifically the Yacht Rock, you'll have some detractors that say, well, it's not technically Yacht Rock, which is why it might not be on my list. Mm-hmm. But it is a significant record from the era. It incorporates a lot of what we consider Yacht Rock. And we don't need to go through the entire record again. No. Because we did a whole episode on it. But, you know, it's got songs like, um, you know, Asia, Josie. Yeah. Peg. Peg. Right. Deacon Blues. Uh-huh. Right. These are, to me, staples of Yacht Rock, staples of the era. and So... We went through chapter verse, how that album changed the way Yacht Rock was being recorded, both in terms of personnel, um, the equipment, the style, the commitment to production quality, the space that Yacht Rock has. So it just exemplified to me everything. And I think because it's on the earlier side of this genre, not at the beginning, but on the earlier side, it set the tone for albums to come later. So had to have Asia. Good call. All right. That's number one. That's number one. You want number two. Right. Number two. Had to be in my mind the I, I thought you had to have a Doobie Brothers album in here, and but it wasn't hard for me to pick out which one. And to me, it was "Taking It to the Streets." Okay, so "Taking It to the Streets." While well, you know it was their sixth studio album, but this is um, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is where. Isn't This is the first it is. Michael McDonald record, it is. Yep. So, this kind of marks a turning point for the band, right? I think it marks a turning point again. It's easy to look back and with in hindsight, but it marks a turning point for yacht rock because I think it starts to establish things like the doobie bounce and all of these markers that we've right. talked about.
1: Okay,
0: um, great tracks on this one. Uh, taking it to the streets obviously, uh, it keeps you running. That's my favorite, I, right? Yeah, I love that now.
1: It's not chock full with all of my favorite Doobie Brothers yacht rock songs. No, it's kind of an every other record, right? Where every other song is sort of a. They've got some of the old sounding stuff, and then the Michael McDonald, almost like every other song in a way, they kind of mix it up. Right. Which is cool. It gives it a great flow. Exactly. So, yes. And it's got, obviously, being the Doobie
0: Brothers, it has some of the personnel that we always talk about. So I just thought that it just marked a turning point yeah. for a
1: lot of different reasons. So I think that, that album is a. Um, every song is a bass lesson to me and Tyrann Porter on that he's play such a unique style but because that record goes back and forth from the southern rock style to the blue eyed soul thing hearing him on both yeah, to me it's just so cool but okay. digress yep so but
0: the third one on my significant one and I wasn't just you know copying and pasting my Mount Rushmore personalities and applying it to this but I the Christopher Cross album which is the actual name of it, right? Yeah. To me, I feel like is, again, one of those hallmarks of this is going to be a sound, and this is going to be the rough personnel, and this is going to be important, and it's going to be replicated. into. It's got the pink flamingo on the cover. Right, of course. Maybe that's all I should have said. Right. But, again, Michael McDonald appearing yeah. on guest vocals on... Um, uh, what songs was he on? I Really Don't Know Anymore. Mm-hmm. Doing backup vocals. Um, It's in the song So the other songs I'd never be the same Ride Like the Wind Sailing Those are probably Maybe his three Yep Huge opuses in the Yacht Rock genre. It's got Jay Graydon doing work on here. Jim Horn. right? Larry Carlton on that record Larry Carlton. Yep. 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 Uh, Lenny Castro. Nicolette Larson appears. Oh, yeah. Uh, That's right. They kind of duet us. Michael O'Marcian, of course. Yeah. Um, Stormy O'Martian. So I didn't even know that person existed. But I don't know who that is. It's uh, another O'Marcian. J.D. Southers on here. It's just, you know, it's again, it starts to become, right. this is what Yacht Rock's going to be. Personnel, great songwriting, smooth, etc. Right, right. My fourth one um, is lesser-known, unless you're a Yacht Rock, I think, fan, but I know you're going to love this pick, and Ooh. it's got to be somewhere on your list, and that is Mark Jordan's Blue Desert. Baby, and I
1: keep and score, huh? So, um, anything you want to add about that? Because I'm probably stealing your thunder later no, in the game. No, okay. Just allow you to finish out. These are your four most, what you think are more, most significant, so...
0: Yep, and this is something I had to come to discover by getting more ingrained in yacht rock. I'd never heard of Mark Jordan right. prior to two years ago. Or Neither that. Had I. Um But then when you discover it, you're like, oh my gosh, where has this been hiding my entire life? Just quick thing on personnel: uh, Jay Graydon, Michael O'Marshian, Ray Parker Jr., Dean Parks, Aber- Abe L'Oreal, or Laboriel, sorry, mm-hmm. Ernie Watts, um, Jeff Bacaro. Jim Keltner, Bill Champlin, it is. It's uh, I'm not even everybody. halfway done. Right, Steve Lukather, Bobby Kimball, Steve Beccaro, right. uh, Chuck Finley. I mean, that's just again. Yeah. I mean, this is going back to what you. It's the you're talking, list. It's right the there. list. It's so now as I've really become a student of yacht rock, I realize that to probably the very center is when you get these session cats together and yep. you get beautiful songs,
1: beautiful songwriting, and then these types of records come out. Very good. I like the list. I like it. Um I have some similarities but mm-hmm. not a, an exact duplication. Okay. Let's so hear it. my four most significant um asia like you said, I agree with that too because it was the bar that everybody uh sought to to match whether it was the success they wanted to match, whether it was the intricacy, whether it was the the sound quality, that one was often held up as, this is what a great record sounds like. So that was the bar. So to me, that's the most significant, most influential. Second uh, most influential, I had to go with the Doobie Brothers album too, but I had to go with Minute by Minute. Um, mostly because it contains What a Fool Believes, which is the only right. perfect score according to the Yatsky Scale has other uh, hits, and to me that's the center of the Yacht Rock universe, even though it came, you know, like you say, two years into the uh, official window. Um, But the multi-Grammy awards, all of that stuff, so I put that one in there because by that time it was clear that it was Michael McDonald, the forefront, right? Yep. I also had the Chris Cross, Christopher Cross, excuse me, Chris Cross is a completely different They actually make one of my lists, though. Okay, but um, Christopher Cross... I had his debut on there, too. Um, all the reasons you said are exactly true, but I will add that Christopher Cross's debut um, also ushers in other areas of Yacht Rock that aren't Blue-Eyed Soul, because so much of Yacht Rock is Blue-Eyed Soul or soul-related in, in one way or another, jazzy-related. His gives you that opening for where some people maybe don't like some of the strummier stuff in there, some of the acoustic stuff, but it's the Christopher Cross sound that ushers that branch in and opens that door. So, uh, and I'm a fan of some of that stuff. So uh, that one, and then if we're talking most influential, um, I couldn't ignore Total Four. Hmm. Three songs on that album all ranked above 90. Rosanna getting one of a hun- one by 100 ranking. Um, again, it's more of the influence and a, almost a reestablishing of the bar that was set by Asia. Um, maybe with a little more of the rock side than the jazz side. But yeah. to me, it is, again, one of those bar-setting records. And so those are my four most influential. Interesting. Yeah.
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to say for it?
1: Yep. And the Christopher, Christopher Cross. Cross album. Right. Okay. Interesting. We both had a Doobies record. Yep. And then we separated after that. So, um, what about most Yachty sounding? Maybe uh, we should move on to that. Yeah.
0: I'm going to pick up where you left off real quick on, okay. uh, on Yachty because I had minute by minute. All right. On my yachty list because I I think it's the yachtier album. The reason I went with significant with the other one because it was the first, because it was earlier. Yeah. But what was interesting. There was magic was made on what a fool believes, and I don't know if you ever heard the story. Do you ever hear how uh, Michael McDonald and Kenny Loggins talk about the fact that they were collaborating before they ever met?
1: You told me this once, and I don't recall it, so, so it's, yeah, it's worth retelling.
0: Interesting. Some third party decided these two guys should get together and collaborate. So just picture this in L.A. back in the day, right? So Kenny Loggins drives over to Michael McDonald's house. He's in the driveway or something unpacking his guitar, and he hears music coming from the basement. And it's Michael McDonald writing What a Fool Believes. Mm-hmm. And he hears it, and he, for some reason he, I think, interprets that Michael McDonald is stuck on a pre-chorus. He immediately hears in his head what he thinks it should be. Kenny Loggins does. Mm. Rings the doorbell. Michael McDonald answers the door. He says, Hi, you must be Kenny Loggins. He said, Yes, I think I've got the bridge to that song you were
1: working. <laughs> no way.
0: And sure enough, they went down, he played it. There's a pre-chorus, which is this.
1: As she rises to her apology, Anybody else would surely know.
0: Michael McDonald loved it. They wrote lyrics over it and they started a beautiful
1: marriage together. They wrote, you know, so many together. I'm surprised, and usually they both recorded them. I'm surprised that, unless I don't know of it, that Kenny Loggins never recorded What a Fool Believes. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of shocked too. We have a flag on the play. Kenny Loggins did record What a Fool Believes for his 1978 Night Watch album. That's a five yard penalty and loss of down.
0: Yeah, so that album, and I, I, you said everything else. That I think that I wanted to say about that album, but um, because of that, okay. there's more yachtiness to it. But I thought that was a great story, very good. Want to do one of yours, or do you
1: want me to stick with mine? Well, um, do you want me to? Well, that is one of your most yachty, right? That is, yep, that's my on my yattiest list. Well, why don't you finish out your yachty list,
0: and then I'll go first on the last one. Okay, I had Christopher Cross on this list as well, only because. I think I'm getting sucked into the idea of that part of the yachtiness the pink flamingo. Well, no, well, in a way. Yeah. Part of to me of the yachtiness, even though I think this shouldn't be a rule for determining determining whether something is quote-unquote yachty is the nautical feel to it. Mm-hmm. This album just feels so nautical to me. It's not just the sailing yeah. song. It's I just feel like I'm somewhere out in the wide open main. Yeah. Pun. Sitting on the bow of some boat, having a drink, wearing ridiculously looking white suit <laughs> with my shirt, but way too low. Right. This is where this album takes me. Spray on hair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, unfortunately, I don't need to spray on hair. Uh, oh, whoops. Uh, maybe on the top of my head. But anyway, so this it's, it's the personnel, it's the songs, everything about this. Even you just
1: like you I said, agree with that. And I can't tell you why. Yeah. Because only sailing, to my knowledge, I mean, has the real nautical reference. I, right. I'm with you though. Yeah. So that was
0: on my yachtiest. The next album, again, is a bit of a um, buried treasure, unless, of course, you're a huge Yacht Rock fan. But that's the Dane Donahue album from 1978, Mm self-titled. So Yachty, in this, I mean Yachty a different way. This, I mean the genre, as we've tried to describe it in previous episodes and a little bit at the beginning of this one. But again, going back to personnel, so you got Steve Gadd, Chuck Rainey, Mike Beccaro, Larry Carlton, Jay Graydon, Steve Lukather, uh, Victor Feldman, Ernie Watts, Bill Champlin, and then Don Henley, who's not, mm. not, uh, but Stevie Nicks, J.D. Souther, Tim B. Schmidt. I mean, wow. that, that's so on that a, album that no one's ever heard of, by the yeah. way, unless wow, you're a Yacht Rock fan. Yeah. Good pick. And, so, and then just the sound, the total sound of a song like Casablanca. And really, top to bottom, I think that whole thing kind of fits. Now that what I understand what Yaw Rock is supposed to be, to yeah. me, that's
1: it. That's Remember it. the night introducing you to that one? Oh, yeah. I, After I was, a few beers at Buffalo Wild Wings, kind of heading yeah. home and like, oh, you got to check this out, man. <laughs> this, was, this was
0: pre-podcast. This was one was of the reasons pre-podcast. we started the podcast. Yeah. yeah it was exactly. that
1: in uh, Blue Desert
0: that night. It that's was. Who I played for you. I yeah. couldn't decide which I liked more, and there was a third artist, was Ned DeHaney Ned was Dehaney, the other one yeah, you right. introduced me to. <laughs> The fourth one, I'm—I don't know if I included this intentionally or as a happy accident, but this one goes closer to that R&B thing that you were talking about. But to me, it's so yachty because I think it's exemplary, exemplary rather, of different musicians in a slightly different—I'm sorry, same musicians, slightly different style, different producer, coming up with something new and it's still yachty. And that is to me, uh, El Jirro's Breaking Away album. Mm. So, iconically and most memorably, it's got "We're in This Love Together."
1: We got the kind that lasts forever. Yeah, and that's probably his most iconic song, I think. There's other great ones, but that's probably the number one that people recognize. Yep. It just
0: even if you just knew nothing other than that song, the yeah. rest of the record has a lot of these same types of sounds. Yep. But think about what's in that song. The pluck tick it tick it right? Yeah. The, the halftime horn, shuffle. Halftime shuffle. This nice bass. The bass was played by um.
1: Abel Boreal and Neil Steubenhaus. That was one of those that... Uh for all those years, I thought it was Jeff Precaro on drums on that one. And I found out only recently it was Steve Gadd. Steve Gadd, yep. And yep. Again, you got Jay Grade and Steve Lukather, D. Parks, David Foster. It's the first time we
0: mentioned him today. But Michael O'Martian, Michael Boddicker, Larry Williams, George Duke. I mean, just, hmm. I haven't even gotten to I could go Steve Gadd, Jeff Percaro. Right. Jeff Beccaro does play on the record, by the way, but yeah, not that song. Right. Uh, Tom Scott, Jerry Hay, and all those horn dudes. Chuck Finley, Richard Page. I mean, this... The The personnel list on this is amazing. So going back to Yachty, not maybe Nautical Yachty, but Yachty, Yachty. That's your sure. We Like to Potty, that song. <laughs> <laughs> or that album, I should yes. say. All right, so that that's my four, I believe, right? I hit okay. them all. Well, who's your four Yachtiest on Mount Rushmore?
1: First one I have on here is um, Steely Dan's Gaucho. I've come around to the feeling... That while Asia is the most significant and most important, gaucho is probably top to bottom the yachtiest sounding. Um, It's a little more understated. It's a little cleaner sounding. To to some people, it got too clean and too understated. And maybe some people kind of started turning off after Asia. But I find gaucho to be an absolute uh, piece of... You know, brilliant work, and I think it's the yachtiest of the Steely Dan records.
0: Yeah, and for me, that album is in parts a little too—how did you put it? Not mellow, but— um, Understated. Understated. It's a little too understated in parts for me, and that's—I don't dislike the album. It's just—that's why I put others ahead of that one. So I can see why people
1: say that. But The, the comparison I make is that if we're talking within yachty, um, Asia, the song Asia— and the drum solo with the uh, sax solo at the end, all that bashing and stuff, would not be something that would typically fit in a yacht rock song. And so that is the kind of thing that you don't hear a lot of on Gaucho, and so it makes it a smoother ride. Yeah. Um, secondly, I did have Dane Donahue's album, uh, From it's from 1978, and I did... Uh, uh, my two notes on that, beyond what you said, was one that there's a lot of the ironic fool-based lyrics on that <laughs> one. Right. By the way, we might have to add that to the Trojan it Horse is. list. It's, it's on if the list. Talk about yeah. fools. You mentioned the personnel. How can we forget? I mean, the guy on the cover—he looks very uncomfortable. Oh, right? Yes. and Thank you, know, Juan has, Love, yes. for that. If the guy in the cover is uncomfortable, it's yacht, right? And he's smoking. So that—that's like extra points. Yeah. You know, so extra yacht points for smoking on the <laughs> cover. <laughs> Um, it's rare a person who could look uncomfortable
0: while they're smoking well, that, Usually imagine how so uncomfortable cool.
1: he'd be without the cigarette <laughs> yeah. jeez um, I had a little bit of a personal debate I wasn't sure um, but I went with Michael McDonald's solo record called If That's What It Takes um, hmm, interesting I, I thought that maybe one step closer the last album he did with the Doobie Brothers would make this list but I ended up opting for Michael McDonald's solo record purely because of Personnel. It has all of the mainstay guys on that record. And the Doobie Brothers themselves played as backing bands for some Yachty records, you know, like some Carly Simon, Nicolette Larson stuff. Um, So they sort of qualify as personnel, but not to the level of the guys like Graydon and, you know, Abe Laboreal and Lewis Johnson and, you know, uh, Jeff Percarl, Yachty, all those guys. So for that reason, I went with Michael McDonald's if that's what it takes. And then, What are some tracks on that album? Well, that's where Keep Forgetting comes that's from. Love Lies is on that. Um, uh, the, his version of The Losing End is on that. Um, I think his version of I Gotta Try is on that as well. Pretty Yachty. The last one I have on most yachty I know I'm going to steal some of your thunder because I thought this would be on your Yachtiest list, but that means it's probably on your favorite list. But we'll get around to that. Bill Bounty from 1982, the, the self-titled from 1982. To me, that album defines the entire blue-eyed soul side of Yacht Rock like no other. It has all the personnel, has a lot of the halftime shuffles, the horns, David Sanborn on sax. Just, and, but what he adds to it, that's a little bit different than say Michael McDonald. Is his voice is a lot rougher. You know, there's a lot more um, rasp to it. There just there's more angst and more. You could just feel more pain in his singing. Yeah, it's raw. And and I like that about it. And to me, this album top to bottom, every every minute on it is great. So that's uh, my four Yatties. Excellent, excellent
0: choices. Why don't we without further ado go right into favorite and I'll kick us off. Okay. Because that of course that is on my on favorite
1: albums. Um well, we can go back and forth on favorites then. Let's do all right, all right. back and forth. So, so that's on your that's what do you want to add to that then? Um
0: just love and an adulation and what I've come to find out is that album, when I compare it against any of the other albums we've talked about today. Any of them. Well, with the exception of maybe Dane Donahue and Mark Jordan. This album is the most consistent. It's my favorite while being the most consistent, track A to track Z, in terms of a similar sound, mm-hmm. a similar feel. It felt to me, it feels like somebody, Build a Bounty, the magician himself, got into a time machine. Went to 2005, said, Oh, that's what they're defining yacht rock as. (laughs) They went back in time and said, I'm going to make an album like that. Yeah. Where you look at an album like, um, let's say, Kenny Loggins' Keep the Fire, right? It's got This Is It on it, right? Um, Could it get more yachty than This Is It? Uh, It's got Who's Right, Who's Wrong on it, right? You know, with Richard Page, but it's also got Keep the Fire, yeah. Which isn't yachty at all,
1: yeah. Right? Yeah, his stuff, even the next album, you know, the High Adventure album, same way. It's got, you know, Heart to Heart on there, but it's also got Don't Fight It with Steve Perry. Right. Right. which, obviously, back then, they didn't have They weren't thinking, okay, i got to make a Yachty record. Right, right. they're like, I'm going to make music, I'm going to make a record.
0: And right. some of the stuff I like is this new kind of sound that's this, and some of it's still rock and roll. But that's why I have so much appreciation for the Bill of Bounty album. It feels like an album, whereas some of these others now, through the prism of, is it yacht, sound like Correct. collections And yes, I dabbled in yacht and dabbled out of yacht. But right. this album is just so good. Top to bottom, I know I'm a broken record, go listen to it, because it's so good. Yep.
1: Um, and It really doesn't have a, a clunker on the whole thing, so... My first on my personal favorites is uh, Donald Fagan's Nightfly. Mm. And almost for all those same reasons. Yeah. That one is a solid record top to bottom. It had a couple of groundbreaking hits, you know, New Frontier, IGY. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's the sound, man. It is the sound. To me, it's an extension of Gaucho, and I already said how much I appreciate the sound yes. of Gaucho. Uh, that's just an amazing record. Amazing record.
0: That is, is—it's what I like about that album, too, is it's not totally Steely Dan. It's close. To me, I think those songs that you mentioned are like a close cousin of Steely Dan, but not exactly Steely Dan. If they Steely put Dan. the
1: name Steely Dan on the cover, you wouldn't say, oh,
0: wow, they went no, somewhere different. Here. not at all. And maybe it's because I know it, but... You know, IGY and in, in Nightfly. Yeah, New Frontier. New Frontier. Yeah, they're just yeah. a little bit different, but a yeah. very cool sound. Yep. I love it. Uh, what else you have? Well, I'll just piggyback off that and say, I, I, whether it's Yacht or not, whether it's influential or not, we can not even argue my favorite album to listen to from this era is Asia. Mm -hmm. we've Mm -hmm. talked about a million times why it's the sound it's the writing it's the performances Yeah, it's wayne shorter doing a sax solo over a drum solo and they're both still hitting the band syncopations it's just the performance sound songwriting all of it just i love it never get tired of it and i hear something new every time i listen to it which is cool
1: exactly so deep and so nuanced yep yeah um my second one here for personal favorites you already mentioned it because I think this is, from a sonic standpoint, this is the Bible of Yacht Rock for me. And that is Mark Jordan's Blue Desert. To me, that is the Jay Graden production sound. The E-Roads that just defines every track on that. The songwriting is is great. And, you know, Ernie Watts plays a lot on that one. And But there's just a, it's also the way it's mixed. Uh, everything about it just has that sound that my ear says is yacht. Yep. In
0: is Blue Desert the album that has that Jay Graydon guitar solo that you featured before. Yes. It yep. play that again cuz yes. that's just a good. It play a little bit more of it this
1: time. In the way that um it comes the way he phrases this intro of the guitar solo with the drum fill is just killer. Check it. This is the twilight.
0: Yeah, no arguments for me. Um, It it would probably make my list of top five, but it's not on my Mount Rushmore. But you got two more. I do have two more. Okay, so what else do you have? The third one, you could maybe have some arguments about whether it's Yachty or not. Parts of it are no question, but the—this is my favorite. Uh, If I'm in a certain mood, and it's not the mood I'm in to hear Bill of Bounty, I'm in the mood to hear The Dude by Quincy Jones. Ooh.
1: Yeah, some might argue how yachty that record is, but that's not what this what matters. This is your personal favorite of that. There's certainly some on it, and it certainly has the exact same ideals and standards of what we would call a great yachty record. The question is whether it feels yachty, I guess, to people, but it is such a interesting, good record. Yeah, and there's, again, right. Yeah, I wouldn't
0: submit it for the Yachtiest by any stretch. Right. I'd get laughed out of the room. But it, it comes out kicking with the I Know Carita. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does have Just Once, which to me feels pretty yachty. That was a single. Certainly um, on the ballad side of Yachty, On the yacht, ballad right? side of yep. Yachty, for sure. Razzmatazz is one of my faves. Oh, that, that yeah. one. And, you know, you've got personnel. You've got Patty Austin singing vocals. Yeah. you got Michael Boddicker on the synth, um, Chuck Finley, David Foster. Uh, Abe Laboreal, Herbie Hancock's on here, Jer- mm. Jerry Hay. So if you wanted to make the case, Steve Lukather, of course, Greg James, if you wanted to make the case that it's Yachty, you certainly could from a personnel standpoint. It's a little more R&B, but if you want to like, just be this
1: close to getting up out of your seat and dancing, the dude is yeah. the record for you. Well, my next one is one that sort of, I guess, I'm not going to say it ushered me in, but it brought me fully into this phase that I went into of, uh, discovering this genre, and but more because I started looking back and saying, "Okay, I'm not finding enough new music to keep me interested. Maybe I go back and dig into the era where we were younger and and kind of explore some bands that I paid no attention to before." Mm. And when I did, when I discovered this album, that made me say, "Yes, I'm on the right track. This is what I want to pursue. I want to pursue listening to music of this era." So I'm in that way, it-, it ushered me in, and this was. Um, I just took a flyer one day at a record show and bought Pablo Cruz Worlds Away. And I'm not sure even what branch I would say that they're on hmm. because they're not Blue-Eyed Soul. They're not Yachty. Or, or they're not um, Strum Yachty either. I don't know where they are, but to me they're Really, really a great example of a—in fact, I think they were on my band, Rushmore. They were. I recall. They were. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's a it good— was just, It made an impact on me, a big
0: impact. Yep. Well, good, fun album. Excellent. I'll give you my last one. Okay. Okay. You can either laugh or you can edit out the laughter that I know is coming. Okay. My fourth favorite yacht rock album of all on my Mount Rushmore— is Bill a bounty? This night won't last forever. Really? Yes. Not gonna laugh. I'm surprised. I thought you'd laugh that I'm just like you know Bill a bounty's fanboy.
1: No, because I thought at one point uh, I think you mentioned or we talked about and you uh, I don't know if I introduced it to you, but the the, the Bill a from 1982. You got hooked on that, and I may have mentioned something about going back and listening to some of his other stuff, and you were kind of lukewarm on
0: it. No, I was lukewarm on the other album that you sent me, which I think was from '80. Okay. This one was '78. Okay. I can't remember what year it was exactly, but there were three primary albums in the Yacht Rock era. There was the one with the rain, where he's wearing the rain, yellow rainbow. That's the one that I was lukewarm on. Okay. Okay. This one is obviously has the title track, is This Night Won't Last Forever, but it's not as good as Bill of Bounty, the, the album. Uh, it doesn't have a lot of the same personnel. It's interesting because he doesn't have that cast of characters yet, except for Jeff Picaro, who's the only one that I could see oh, okay. that crosses over. But the songwriting, and just what you said earlier about his vocal tone, it, it to me it feels like it's more connected to the mood of the song. So one buried treasure I want to point out, you can play a little of, is a song called Room 205. Listen to, when he gets into the chorus, it's a, it's a song about basically being separated from a potential you know, relationship, okay. and he's—I think he's on the ground, and she's up in room two hundred five, or vice versa. Or she's down on the street, and he's up in room two hundred five, and he's screaming to her, and she okay. can't hear him, and then listens to how he sings this. So now. See-
1: what you said earlier, is he not connecting with the lyric with that voice? Yeah, yeah, he does. And he connects with those uh, angst-ridden lyrics, that's for sure. Yep. And the
0: songwriting is, it's not sophisticated like you, you know, get at a beat poetry jam, but it's its a little higher caliber than typical Yacht Rock. So it's very good mm. album. And when I was like, what's my fourth? What's my fourth? I was trying to make a, come up with an excuse not to include another Bill
1: of Bounty album, and I just couldn't. So there it is. Well, I'm going to go back and give that one a, a greater focus. Yes. My last one, um, I don't know if you'll you'll laugh at it. I think it will surprise you um, how quickly this album grew on me. It went from completely not having any idea it existed Mm. to laughing at the fact that it existed Mm. to listening to it and saying, wow, I love this record and the way that it's produced more than anything else. It was David Foster's first full production project. It, it actually sounds more like a Jay Graydon production to me, but from an arrangement and production standpoint, uh, that J.P. Morgan album, man, oh man, oh man, do I love that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The I, the gateway drug for me to that album was Can't Hide Love, which that was an Earthwind & Fire cover? Yeah. And did mm-hmm. Jay Graydon work on
1: the Earth, Wind & Fire version as well? I don't think so. I think that that... Um, I think that the association with uh, Graydon Foster and Earth, Wind, and Fire actually came later. Oh, interesting. Because that was where After the Love is Gone came from. Yes, that. okay. But, um, I think that was a, a little bit later than this. But
0: when I heard that, I made a mental note. I said, if the rest of this album is as good as this, it's going to be killer. And then I forgot about it until you discovered it, and then you reintroduced it, it to me. And it, it really is.
1: is. The arranging and the playing. I mean, it's everything about it. So. Yep. That's my last one. I had a couple honorable mentions. I had a couple of cuts that I thought were sort of interesting. Well, hit your cuts. Well, I told you already that I cut Doobie's uh, One Step Closer mm-hmm. um, from the Yachty list. Uh, the Finnis, Finnis Henderson album. Oh, really? I don't yeah, know that whole that, album. Oh, no, that's great. Um, I cut Kenny Loggins. I couldn't decide between Keep the Fire or High Adventure and then realized, like you said, that Neither one not of them. deep enough. Yeah. Um, the great songs on it are great, but they're not deep enough in a Yachty perspective. Right. Um, I thought from an importance perspective, airplay, but, um, you know, as a Foster Graydon thing and, um, but I don't think it's widely known enough to make it, um, I had the same struggle with Boz Skaggs, would it be middleman or Silk Degrees, you know, and really- Probably Silk Degrees more than Middleman, but neither one made the list. Um, I I struggled with
0: the same thing. By the way, I, I felt like I, a Bosca's record had to be on here. I couldn't pull the trigger. Out quite either. make it.
1: I had the dude as uh, from Quincy as one of my cuts. I had For favorite Giroux. or Yachty
0: or don't remember. Uh,
1: I, probably uh, more in the Yachty or the favorite. Same with the Giro stuff. I had really you could take this time breaking away or the Giro album. Yes. That triumvirate that Jay Graydon produced, I think any of those could have, at least they were contenders. Uh, Nicolette Larson's in the nick of time, got some consideration. And then the uh, the last one that got consideration, um, which kind of comes from a little bit of a, a left field, but Nightwalker from uh, Gino Vanelli. Because I kind of did a brainstorm thing. It just quickly wrote down everything that came to mind yep. and then called from there. And that was one that actually popped into my head, but... Um. Yeah, did not make any of the sub lists. You mentioned actually all of my cuts except for one. What's that? The Criss Cross album.
0: <laughs> but I remember that that was the wrong Should list. Should I play some of that? Yeah. No, no, thank you. I say we move on to the lightning round.
1: Lightning round, baby! Here we go.
0: Uh, Lightning round. Is it yacht or is it not? Round one. Do you want me to go first? Sure. Uh, Went first on everything else. Do you remember listener Phil? By the way, I brought up listener Phil. He's back. Okay, because he sends me this text on a Sunday morning. He's like, I know I shouldn't be asking this question, (laughs) but it's this yacht rock. And it was Alice Cooper Hmm. song called "You and Me."
1: Um, that is really surprising. That I can, I can understand Cooper. why someone would ask the question because it's got more in it than I would have ever expected, particularly when it gets to that chorus. Of the, the harmonies are pretty lush. Um, some nice falsettos in there. Obviously, my answer is no, but yeah. I am surprised <laughs> at how much there is there. Yeah, my answer was about the same back to Listener
0: Phil. I said, probably not, but great find, and I think I'm going to throw it into off the map. So by virtue of the fact that it's... On this lightning round, it gets put into our playlist. It's in the list now. Right, right. so which we link to at the show notes, by the way. So not everything on that list, obviously, is going to be Yacht Rock because some of them are not in this round, and some of them are just off the map.
1: What do you got for Yacht Rock? Well, this one's probably overly obvious, uh, but Hmm. I wanted to address it in a Yacht or Not way because, um, well, it's a Steely Dan song, so that's what makes it seem pretty obvious, and it is the definitive bernard purdy shuffle bernard purdy playing it and uh, this is home at last now you ask why are you even asking me this and the reason I'm why asking are you this... even asking me this well, because interestingly now it goes back to some of the discussions we had before about the Yatsky scale. Mm. I have no real issue with the Yatsky scale and, and what's on there. I don't. I mean, there's probably some things that I would disagree with, but that's that's neither here nor there. I think everybody looks at that list and maybe depending whatever their personal favorites are, they maybe have some disputes. True. That's not what I'm disputing. But because a song is not on the list, it doesn't mean that it is not. It just means it hasn't been graded. Yes, right. Nor certified. Um, or right, it hasn't been, you know, because it's a zero to one hundred scale. So below fifty would mean they reviewed it but didn't make the grade, Correct. right? But this song's not on there at all, which just surprises me that this song was never graded. But um, what are your thoughts on Home at Last? So going back to what I said earlier about Asia, every time I listen to that
0: album, I like I find something new to like. Yeah, that song is in its an example of it in its entirety is that that song was. Totally off my radar until we did the deep dive album study of Asia. And when I heard that song, I said, "Wow!" So, do I love the song? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Is it Yachty? I still say yes. Yeah, yeah, I do too. It's in an obvious huh. yes, but yeah. again, no, just it hasn't been rated, hasn't been certified. But
1: right, all right. So, buried treasure, buried treasure. I have one. Um, That's more of a deep cut from, obviously, a very well-known artist. I mentioned earlier the One Step Closer album by the Doobie Brothers, and I just think this is a great deep cut, and this one's called No Stoppin' Us Now.
0: That is a great deep cut. I just heard it recently, too, though, somewhere, and I could have been Yacht Rock, Miami. It could have been a playlist or something. I, and I can't say that I recognized it from my youth, but it was familiar enough that I said that's got to go on my list. So mm-hmm. uh, good reminder. All right. My <laughs> – I had to include this song somewhere because I wanted to bring up something funny about it. And I think maybe the best place for it was... Um, <laughs> off the Map? Yeah, Off... off. No, we're not on Off the Map. We are on... Uh, oh, Buried Treasure. Treasure. That's right. Sorry. You should listen to this podcast.
1: I should listen to <laughs> what's what nice, going on. Yeah.
0: Um, it's Stephen Bishop. And Stephen Bishop obviously has the, the main hits, you know, on and on and things like that. But he's got the song Save It For A Rainy Day, which, going back to the time machine... I envision Stephen Bishop getting in a time machine, fast-forwarding to 2020, listening to our episode that we talked about the elements of Yacht Rock, mm-hmm. you know, what makes this Yacht Rock great in right, right. our tribute to uh, Rick Beato. Yeah, there's one of our early episodes. Yeah. And we listed all the elements. And then he went back in time and said, okay, I want the song to be out Rock, so I'm going to include oh, all yeah. these elements, and I'm going to do it in eight measures or less. Yeah. And so you've got this, I think it's... it's so like that got, solo section, this right? This is yeah. it. So yeah. it's leading up to the solo section. you got, like, maybe two bars of a ripping guitar solo. And before that could even get going, then you have, a, like, a marimba-type solo. Yeah, yep. And then, before that could even go, in, you have a sax solo coming in. <laughs> For, and like, then, two bars. Yeah. <laughs> and then they go into the, like, vamp. And the vamp has call-and-answer horn lines. Call and answer female backup vocalists, and then it fades out like a long fade. So, could you play that whole section and just appreciate it? I hope you? so. All right, here we go. It
1: is so funny <laughs> Like, I've got to check the box. It's such a good song. It's like, oh, man, we're two minutes in, and we haven't covered any of the necessary ground. Here.
0: None of the staples have been accounted for. So anyway, not a huge buried treasure, but I think if you don't know. I love it, that
1: song. It, I really do.
0: I do, too. Yeah. Yep. Except for the fact that he says, Save Me Before a Rainy D. D. Yep. Yep.
1: All right. Uh, off the map. Now off the map. So sorry. You go first. Okay. Um, This is, it's not real far off the map, but it uh, dips into the... R&B side, and uh, I guess the question about this one, one of the least clear boundaries to me of Yacht Rock is where does the R&B part of Yacht Rock end, and where does Quiet Storm begin? Are you familiar Hmm. with the Quiet Storm format? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. To me, that's maybe a little bit later. It's maybe 78 to 86 as opposed to 76 to 84, but there's a lot of overlap of that. Um, So this song is from 1983. This is Luther Vandross. Make me a believer.
0: And I wanna love, wanna have, wanna hold you defined So make me a believer. Vandross for me... wanna because it's so recent, is that I always considered Luther Vandross to be on the other side of that line, Mm -hmm. like more R&B than even close to Yacht Rock. But then for this holiday season, when I discovered his Christmas album, so much of that felt yachty. It felt like it was straddling that line too, Mm -hmm. but it felt Mm -hmm. on the yachty side of that. So now I can suddenly think of Luther Vandross in the context of, is it yacht? Yeah, it's close.
1: It's close. That one... um you know, I, I just think it feels good in there. He is, for, to me, he's mostly outside yeah. than in, but, you know, that song I just wanted to put in there because I think it has a good feel, and it raises the question, like I say, where does Quiet Storm begin? Mm-hmm. Maybe he is. Maybe he's the line. All right, I have a final
0: off the map. Uh, this is where I make you look like a clairvoyant. Hmm. So early on and off the map, I guess I got into, not intentionally, but I got into this trend where I was, Grabbing a lot of new romantic or yeah. you know kind of British artists, yeah, and the, the sophista pop, sophista pop. Yeah, because yeah. I had Aztec Camera and yeah. I had some uh, uh, Culture Club. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe I did it all in row. And you said, "What are you going to do next?" I have Duran Duran? <laughs> so I submit to you. Oh no! You find a song that has an intro that includes plucky guitars, and by that I mean the Paul Okay. It also has a halftime shuffle. Ooh. With syncopated snare hits. I'm sorry, hi hat hits. So the pst, pst, uh-huh. Right? Then you get to a pre chorus that has the four chord build. Bum, oh. bum, bum, bum. These are all elements of yacht rock. And then the chorus well, I, think I has... know what song
1: you're talking about. What's that? Do I get to guess the song?
0: Yep. Last element. Oh, well, for one, you get a sophisticated bass line by one of the best yeah. bass players of his genre, yeah. John Taylor. Horn section? And then you get call and answer horns to that as a counter melody to the uh, what the singer singing in the chorus. You've got yacht rock, do you not? You got skin trade. You got skin trade.
1: Okay, yeah, that was the thing. That was the final clue. Yes. the, the four chord climb into the chorus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, it's not
0: yachty at all. The sounds are all
1: wrong. Right. but
0: like. It's about as close as you're going to get. It's fun, though. Yeah. It's still. It's yeah. fun. I love the tune, too. So. Yeah, I do, too. Yeah, I it's think... a real harsh mix, though, boy. That's... That whole album had a yeah, harsh mix man. to it. Yeah. Turn that up loud and watch your ears bleed, but it's great music. Yep. And not all the original Duran Duran cats, unfortunately. So no. Anyways, well, that we've uh, we've got, boy, do we have enough Mount
1: Rushmore's to go around now. We've got 12 just today. Or, well, we have to get enough so that other people will do the Mount Rushmore of their favorite Mount podcast, Mount Rushmore.
0: There you go. Maybe we'll do that. Yes.
1: It's like a clip episode from the sitcoms <laughs> of the right, time. Right, <laughs> The best of.
0: All right. Well, I think we should uh, let these people go. They've been patient enough. Yes. Um, to them, I say.
1: Ahoy. P'loy.